The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome aboard. Great to have you in the business locker room this week. What a great show we've got lined up for you. A lot of great things going on. Just a few moments, we'll be joined by Mike Kunkel. And if you're in the sales world, you want to stick around, you want to get a notepad out, you want to start taking notes right away. It's going to be a great conversation. Certainly something that you'll want to experience if you are in the world of sales or if you're responsible for revenue in your organization. And we'll get to Mike in just a few moments. First, tell you a little bit about the show. It's a show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. I don't care if you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur. It's about practical tools and ideas that you can use in the world of marketing and selling and social media and business strategy and many other aspects of business. It is the Business Locker Room. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Great to have you on board with us. You can find me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And of course, always encourage you to check out the show at bizlockerroom.com and send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom. A little later in the show, I'm going to announce a giveaway and uh, we're going to have you get access or have access to that giveaway through the email address. So again, I want to tell you, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Great show in front of us. As I mentioned, Mike Kunkel will join us. Also at the bottom of the hour, Miles Austin will jump on board for our X's and O's segment. And today we've got an exciting tool to talk about, Who Works At? That's the name of the tool, and Miles is going to tell you all about it, tell you how you can use it to get better connected with the people that you want to do business with. Also, Miles and I are going to do a little bit of a recap, because we have been through now, this will be our sixth tool that we have talked about in the shows that we have done, and we're going to go back and do a recap I am putting some of those to work, and Miles is as well, and we're going to talk about some of our stories and success, and also some anecdotes uh, from other people along the way. So good things straight in front of us. Learn more about the show at bizlockerroom.com, and let's get the show started. And here's how he introduces himself on his own website. You can find Mike Kunkel at mikekunkel.com, K-U-N-K-L-E.com. He says, quote, put a middle-aged, balding guy with glasses and a goatee and a blender with 20 years of Salesforce transformation experience, a healthy dose of training and development, organization effectiveness, leadership development, process improvement, 
and performance consulting expertise. Sprinkle in three stepkids, a cat, a dachshund, a patient wife, internet research, social media, elliptical and resistance training, and a venti Starbucks Americano with an extra shot, steamed soy milk, and trivia. Then you get Mike Kunkel. <laughs> wow, that, that is, uh, that's quite a description. Mike, it is great to have you in the business locker room. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Kelly, it is great to be here, and uh, sounds like my mom wrote that, really. Uh, I, you know, you're not satisfied with, hi, I'm Mike Kunkel. I mean, you really go to town on this deal. Well, those are the things I think that you blend together, you, you come out with, with me. So it's, it's a mix for sure, good or bad, who knows. Well, here's the uh, professional side of it. Mike is uh, a thought leader in the sales world. He's a training and organizational effectiveness leader, special expertise in Salesforce transformation. That's what we're going to talk about today. 19 years as a corporate manager and consultant. Now, as a brand new role, Mike is commercial training and development manager for GE Capital's equipment finance platform. And we will mention that all of your thoughts and opinions today are your own. But uh, con- congratulations on the new position. Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. We, we are doing some great things that we won't talk about, um, but uh, you can imagine there's some of the things that we will talk about in terms of uh, sales training, Salesforce transformation. So I'm excited to be here. Listen, you've got a series of articles up at MikeKunkel.com about sales transformation as it relates to customer service, and that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. But before we do that, let's let's talk about something you mentioned uh, just off the top of the show before we went live. You said you spent 90 minutes with ASTD today, uh, the American Society of Training and Development. What did that look like? Uh, what do you talk about in that arena? Well, actually, it, uh, it was uh, recently at their conference in D.C., and I spoke there about what I call the 22nd century selling skills. And when my wife saw this presentation, she said, honey, you do know what century we're in, right? And yes, I do. All right. But these are the <laughs> things that I've seen uh, from analyzing top producers over the last 15 years or so. These are the common uh, behaviors and traits I've seen that truly differentiate them from the rest of the pack. And so I, I spoke about that at a presentation there at the conference. Those slides are up on SlideShare. And some of those things, really, when we get into value creation, which is one of the things that I've seen truly differentiate uh, the top producers, uh, there are some of the things that we will talk about today as a, a path to sales growth through customer focus. Michael, things have changed quite a bit in the world of selling. I started back in the early 80s. And we didn't have the types of tools and resources that we have available today. There's, there's been a couple of inflection points in, in the development and evolution of the profession of selling. But th- this is really, truly an enormously different ball game that you and I are playing in today than we did a couple of decades ago. When, when did this all begin? When, when did this most recent shift begin? I don't know if I have a great answer for that question, Kelly. I think of it a lot like the the old joke about how do you cook a frog, right? You put a frog in a pot of cold water and you turn the heat up gradually, right? And eventually the frog doesn't realize it goes to sleep and it's cooked, right? And so it's something that happens over a, a long period of time. I'd say probably the biggest inflection point that I could point to was the launch of Internet search, right? When when Google went live, what was that? Um, you know, in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, 
Mm-hmm. All right, I, and, and when the flood of information started to hit the Internet, when buyers started to be able to do a radical amount of research on companies and products, when companies started putting out content on the Internet, I, I think that was probably one of the inflection points where we saw a tremendous change because now we've got uh, organizations like the CEB and Forrester and Serious Decisions and other sales researchers telling us things like, you know, buyers are 50% seven cent through the purchase process before they engage a supplier. Right. You know, and so it, you know, I think that's probably the point at which things really started to shift dramatically. But, well, you know, many people have talked about because of that information explosion, Mike, they, they've talked a lot about uh, the fact that s- perhaps even sales is dead. The salesperson as a necessary commodity is, is no longer necessary. I've read a lot of your stuff as well as a lot of things on the internet, and there are those who perhaps take that kind of position. I'm certainly not one of them. My my stance is because of the glut of information. If 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 people need you, if customers need you at all, they need you now more than ever because there's just so much information to sift through. But it's the type of salesperson that is required that's really changing. Do you think that's a f- pretty fair observation? Yeah, I think that is exactly it, Kelly. I mean, I think the answer to that question is yes, sales is dead and no sales isn't dead. Right. And and it's all about context and nuance. And that's something that gets missed a lot, right? It's one of the reasons I quote that business books are dangerous. And I don't really mean that, right? But my point is someone has a degree of success somewhere in some context in one organization. And you think about all the nuances, B2B, B2C, long sales cycle short, high ticket, low ticket, service, product, intangible, tangible, right? You start to mix those things up, right? And, and the type of salesperson and the type of sale and the type of buyer, all radically different. So I could argue with you that a, that a life insurance salesperson selling B2C is a very different sale than an enterprise software as a service rep right, selling you know, massive enterprise systems to senior level buyers and corporations. Very different sale. Right, so I think those nuances really matter, and I think you've hit that right on the button. There are some cases where sales is very, very transactional, where you know people are going to buy off the internet in a B two C world. There sure. are other cases where it's incredibly complex, high budget, uh, long sales cycle, senior level decision maker, and probably the health of an organization or its success depends upon the right decision. You're going to need somebody to help you navigate through that effectively. And so for the purposes of our discussion today, uh, we're, we will talk B2B selling and we'll talk mostly a, a more complex type of sale. We won't talk transactional sales, but you're talking about customer focus as a framework for driving sales growth. Give me the brief introduction to that idea and what led to the series of articles that you're writing now. Well, I, I think that, you know, we, we talk so much in this space, Kelly, right, about the salesperson and coaches and CRM and big data and tools and, you know, what do you have to do to win? And I think sometimes in all of that, and all, by the way, I think all of that is great stuff, right? But I think we, we lose sometimes the focus on the fact that we're really serving customers, and there's some great books now out about customer experience, right, that it's not necessarily stops striving toward loyalty or satisfaction, make it easy. And we've lost a little focus sometimes on the customer because, you know, I read something the other day that made me feel like someone was actually taking an adversarial approach toward the customer. It's, it's a, you know, it's a battle. 
uh, you know, as opposed to it's a journey about understanding what they need and showing them how you're the best solution, right? So for me, the customer-focused framework wraps around a couple of things. Do you understand who buys from you? Who are your buyer personas, right? What are their roles, goals, obstacles, and opportunities? Then mapping that buyer journey that they go through in their buying process and aligning your sales process and the methodologies you use to the buyer's world. Then if you understand the market conditions and the buyer issues that they face, you need to be able to align whatever your sales solution architecture is around that. Messaging goes around that. The solutions go around that. And then in there, in, in value creation, you need to be thinking about what I call the four pillars of sales value creation, which are really about business acumen, but I call them the four business acumens, which I'm not even sure is a word, right? But the financial acumen, the operation acumen, customer acumen, and solution acumen make up what I, I think of as the sales value creation piece that plugs into that customer focus framework. And when those things come together, that's some of the magic sauce that I've seen uh, that the, the top 4%, the top 20 of the top 20 of sales producers do some of this naturally, some of it through learned behavior, uh, very little of it, unfortunately, from training in organizations, right? but they figured out that magic sauce and they blow the doors off. And it is possible to model that and get sales growth through customer focus. And your your fourth article where you talk about those four pillars of sales value creation, that will be out shortly, correct? Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's coming out on my blog or whether that might come out in another venue, but somewhere, shape or form, the four pillars of sales value creation is going to be, be published in the near future. We're talking with Mike Kunkel, and he is a sales thought leader. He is a guy that thinks about the, the deeper implications of the kinds of things that, that we do as salespeople, the way we approach customers. And the way salespeople succeed at this profession of selling, we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back on the other side with Mike, and we're going to talk about these four pillars and how we can take those and use them. And Mike, the other thing is, is as you were talking, it was really interesting to me, and, it, and I had this thought, is that many times the words we use to describe our relationship with customers may, in fact, be a direct reflection of the kind of process that we use with customers, whether we're attacking or we're competing or we're trying to understand and provide value to those customers. We'll talk more about that as well. Interesting to hear your take on that. We're going to come back on the other side. More of Mike Kunkel. You can find him at MikeKunkel.com. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Hey, welcome back to the Business Locker Room. It's the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business starting today. By the way, programming note, next week, Memorial Day on Monday, so we will be replaying one of our shows. We're back on the 2nd of June. Really excited to talk to you about that show because that show will feature uh, someone I can't wait to talk to, Tom Ziegler, who is the proud son of Zig Ziegler. I know that and say it that way because that's the way he signs his name on his correspondence. We'll talk a little bit about his dad, who I grew up with in terms of training and uh, we'll talk about what he's doing these days as well. A lot of different things that he's involved in. That'll be on June the 2nd. Always join us right here on Mondays, 3 o'clock Central Daylight Time, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock on the East Coast. And I uh, want to remind you that uh, we're going to give away some things today, give you a thought and a sense of what that is. About a year ago, I released my book, Quit Whining and Start Selling. And I'm going to give away five copies of that today. So if you will email me, at kelly at bizlockerroom.com and just ask me. I will get your address and uh, we will send off a copy uh, to some of you salespeople who are listening today. We're in a conversation with Mike Kunkel and we're talking about customer focus as a value driver in terms of transforming sales forces. And, you know, one of the things you talked about was these four acumens, uh, these business acumens, and you ask whether or not that was a word. It sounds like a great word to me, Mike. Uh, it works for me. But you talked about the financial acumen, operational acumen, uh, and customer and solution acumen. And you're, you're talking about the, the pieces and parts of a sales process, for lack of a better word, that really need to be feel, filled in. It's, it's interesting something that you write. You said most sales training focuses heavily on understanding and gaining alignment around customer needs. That's, that's sales 101. Uh, but you talk about the fact that this is just a small part of the story. There, there's a bigger piece when it comes to the solution side of understanding customer focus. Tell us more about that. Yeah, okay, Kelly. And I'll tell you what, you, you honed in there on something that is a real performance lever that I've, I've seen in the past 15 months or so really be missing in a lot of, a lot of the sales conversations. Certainly, right now that I'm back in the buyer's seat, I have been deluged with calls and people approaching me on LinkedIn, uh, and I'm not getting much of a sense of this or people trying to drive toward it. And what I'm referring to is not just the market conditions or the buyer issues or the needs, but what are the implications of those needs, right? What are the negative consequences of inaction? What are the risks, the potential losses that I could incur? And what are the positive outcomes of action? 
And we tend not to want to talk about these things, I think, because maybe they're assumed or they're uncomfortable, right? But it's, this is part of the whole Aristotle persuasion model, right? Ethos, pathos, logos, right? Where you get people engaged in understanding what are the real implications, and from that, then you can make a need statement. Then you can summarize needs. And it should have nothing to do with you as the seller, really, but all about what is the buyer's perspective? What is the challenge they're facing? What are the implications of no action? Now, I want to fast forward a second. We know that in our profession, one of the biggest challenges that we're facing today is the stunningly high amount of no decisions, no customer action that's taken at the end of a sales process. Mm-hmm. I believe that part of that is because we are not focused on the implications of not acting and the positive outcomes of taking action and then tying our consequences and our outcomes of our solutions to those so we can avoid negative consequences, we can achieve positive outcomes, and then we need to frame that in terms of for whatever buyer persona we're talking to, those outcomes need to represent their world. If we're talking to a CFO and we know that EBITDA is one of their, their issues or they're focused on E&I, right, we need to be able to demonstrate and talk to them in terms of their world and how our solution is going to impact those uh, key performance indicators. If we're talking to someone who's in operations, let's say in manufacturing, we need to then be able to switch that to talk about quality issues or scrap reduction or something that matters to their world. And we have to be able to have those conversations around their issues, tied to them and what's important for them. Remember, buyer personas, roles, goals, obstacles, opportunities, and frame it into the business language that matters for them. And that's a, that's a big miss in a lot of the sales behavior, that, at least that I see and that I'm experiencing on a daily basis. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you, Mike, because the, the, the typical scenario is we tend to hone in on one buyer, specifically if that person is a champion, not recognizing that there are a number of people who can influence the sales in dramatic ways. And if we're not talking their language, if we've not put it in financial terms that make sense for them, if we don't understand uh, the underlying motivations that are driving their side of the decision-making process, we can walk off a cliff and be too far gone before we even realize we've lost that sale. Well, that's exactly right, right? now, And we have organizations, Kelly, like Serious Decisions and Forrester and all the research, right, telling us that, you know, the, the inability to communicate value is one of the greatest inhibitors to sales growth. Or that from Forrester that 30% of the executives that had a meeting with someone in sales felt that that initial meeting did not meet their expectations, and only 10% of those are willing to schedule a follow-up meeting. Right, that tells us that we are missing the value train here, right? You know, yes. we're not we're not actually using these four pillars. We're not understanding the financial acumen or the things that matter to them, right? We don't understand operational acumen or how do you get things done inside of not only your organization but help them get things done inside of their organization. This whole piece about customer acumen, what are the market conditions and the issues, the implications and the needs? 
And then how do your solutions tie to those things? That, to me, is a real lever, and that's a, that's a behavior well before the Internet, well before all the changes that we've talked about, that I have seen the top 4% producers honing in on for years. Yes. In fact, I, I think the first book I read about those that opened my eyes was by Mac Hannon. I mean, in, you know, I was thin and had hair in those days, right? So, you know, when he, when, he, when he published Consultative Selling and he talked about things from those framework, I mean, that's a long time ago. And yet here we are still talking about the fact that in professional B2B complex selling today, we're still not as effective as we could be at delivering that kind of value to our customers and talking about it in those terms and helping them understand the drivers and how we can help. You know, I, th- I think this resonated with me uh, way back in the mid-90s when I owned my first business. I, one of the things that, that I do in my work, and I think one of the things that makes me a little different from, the, from some people, is, is my entrepreneurial background. When you've run a business, when you've been responsible for P&L, when you've managed employees, it gives you a completely different perspective as to exactly what is going on inside a business. So I noticed that my selling habits changed dramatically when I began to think like the business person that I was calling on. And it interests me now at, at my age, now in my where I am in my career, that we don't train salespeople in the realm and the world of business. They, they don't get that business education at a very practical level. And, and from one very practical aspect of what you're saying, you're just saying business people or salespeople rather need to learn to think like business people. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's kind of a sad statement, right, that we have to even say that. And I know that, you know, in defense of many people who are probably on the phone uh, or on the radio show here listening, uh, there are a ton of salespeople. There are a lot of top producers, top 20% producers. They are doing this. What I worry about is the rest of the 80% or maybe the rest of the 60% that we might be able to do something about. And I, I think this is the way that organizations can, can do a top producer analysis in their world and their nuances and look for the differentiating factors between what those folks do and what those in the middle do. And I guarantee you, you'll find some of these things, but maybe you can use some of these as benchmarks that even beef up what the top four or 20% do. But then you can systematically develop training, compensation, support, systems, sales enablement tools, the things that Miles Austin is going to be on later, right? Here's a guy that truly understands the tools in the marketplace, right? You start to put those things in support of your sales process and especially in support of solving your customers' problems. Uh, Kelly, I tell you, you can radically move the needle by moving up that big mass of people in the middle to behave more like your top producers. And that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of Salesforce transformation. We're talking with Mike Kunkel. You want to follow this guy. He is a sales thought leader. Currently, a corporate position is commercial training and development manager for GE Capital's equipment finance platform, but a longtime sales representative, managed sales departments, 19 years of corporate experience prior. You can find more about these ideas and read more of his work at MikeKunkel.com. This, all of this, Mike, leads me to... Uh, an inescapable question. If I had a sales force of a dozen or two dozen or a hundred salespeople, and I wanted to move that needle with that middle group of salespeople, I need, desperately needed to increase their performance level. And I came and asked you about it after you had done a lot of 
investigation into what we're doing. What, what do you think some of the primary things that you would be asking me to do differently than I do now if I wanted to elevate the performance level of those people? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, this is what I talked about in 22nd century selling skills, right? When I said, here are the things I've seen that truly differentiated the top 4%. Now, I'm going to make my disclaimer, Kelly, right? You know, business books are dangerous, right? So yes. don't, don't take, uh, listeners, don't take whatever I say verbatim. You have to take this into the context of your world. But I found that analysis skills, research skills, problem identification, problem solving, uh, you know, and having the empathy about really wanting to help others and the drive to succeed, right, some, some big things that you see see different. And some of that you can't, you can't inject drive, right? You can create a motivational environment. You can read Dan Pink's book, Drive, and talk about, you know, uh, mastery, autonomy, and purpose, right? But... You can help people understand how to truly identify and hone in on problem solving. You can teach the advanced communication and questioning and dialogue skills. You can teach the stuff about value creation, financial operational uh, acumens, and especially understanding your customers, your personas, their drivers, and how your solutions will help them get done what they need, right? And it's always about, you know, making money, uh, making you know, more revenue, making money, more profit, less risk, reducing risk, or better managing risk, right? Driving costs down, right? These are the things you need to find a way to do, uh, but you need to frame it within their world. Communication skills, listening, dialogue, influencing, negotiating. And here's a, here's a kicker, right? Here's something I've seen, and I, I, I use a, a concept uh, out of Batman. Remember the Batman's utility belt, Kelly? Sure. Right, so you know, you never know when you're going to need a grappling hook in his world, right? In our world, there are different things, right? But if you think about a sales utility belt and all the things you've possibly learned in training or know from your experience, right? If you're listening and you're observing in a situation, you're present, you're interpreting, you're making quick decisions, and with purposeful competence, you reach into the right pocket in your sales utility belt, you bring out the right thing at the right time. That's something magical that top reps do. And I'm not going to kid anybody that it's easy to teach that. But it's like a leadership skill, right? Your first book, right, uh, was all about what I think of as core leadership skills that, uh, that I don't see enough of and one on one management, right? Yes. Right. And so I'd highly recommend that. And uh, I don't say that just because I'm on your show. You know, I've endorsed that book and I believe in the principles you wrote about. Yes, thank you. those, Those are leadership skills and they're tough to teach, but we can do it. You do it through mentoring, through coaching, through exposure over time. And you can teach those same kind of judgment skills to reach into the right pocket in the utility belt and bring out the right skill. You can teach that kind of thing to sales reps the same way that we teach leadership skills. I hardly see anyone doing this, but it's possible, right? And then there's things like, you know, organization and planning and networking and today, you know, selling through digital channels or what we call social selling. Right, I think those are probably some of the aspects that uh, I, would, I, I would guess that you would hone in on if you did an analysis of your top producers versus the middle. But certainly the thing I think that is the biggest lever is this whole piece about the four pillars, especially understanding your customers, their drivers, and showing how you can truly help them get the business results that they need. And talk about it in their terms and their language. Well, I tell you, what you illustrate there for me is what I see in so many organizations is that the training side of what organizations do to train and develop and mentor and coach 
salespeople in particular is, is so terribly lacking. And, and typically, it's transactional training anyway. And, and it's more, it actually leads salespeople inevitably down a transactional path. They're not learning to think and act like business people and to understand all of the various things that you've talked about. There is still a lot of work for people like you and I, <laughs> I to do. I guess that's, uh, that's good for us. Uh, but not so good for those people who, you know, who approach it in such a shallow way. I, it, it, it's amazing to me how very little people are willing to invest in the development of their people or the conversely, Mike, how how very scant their expectations are for people to even develop their skills on their own if that's if that's all they've got going for them. So there's a lot of work to do. I appreciate your time. We're up against a break. It has just been fascinating, and I could spend uh, easily another half hour doing more of the same. Thank you so very much for being with us on the show. I appreciate it very much. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure to be here, and I hope to, to be back, and I will certainly be there to hear Tom Ziegler on the second. Oh, you bet, and we'll definitely have you back. Folks, we're going to take a short time out, and when we come back on the other side, we're going to have Miles Austin jump in. We're going to do X's and O's, and you want to stick around because we're going to talk about a tremendous tool called Who Works At, and also we're going to review some of the tools that we've been covering and look at how they have uh, taken on a role with me. I have actually uh, become an advocate of some of these thanks to the show. You're listening to the Business Locker Room Show on Voice America. We're going to come right back. Thanks. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Business Locker Room, the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use starting today. And I will guarantee if you were paying attention in the last segment with Mike Kunkel, you you got some things that are going to pique your interest. Make sure you find Mike at MikeKunkel.com. If you're in sales, if you're managing a sales team, if you own a business, you're an entrepreneur, you need to be reading his stuff. And follow Mike at Mike underscore Kunkel, K-U-N-K-L-E. Great to have him in the locker room. We're going to do it again. 
I tell you, I ran across an interesting article just as we were kicking the show off uh, just a few minutes before the show started today. And, I'm, and, and I, I find it to be interesting because David Burkus is the person who put it out on social media. And, of course, David was a guest last week on our show, and he wrote a, a book called The Myths of Creativity. And the, the article that he exposed me to is from the Washington Post. It's entitled, What a Small Handgun Teaches Us about our fear of creativity, written just today, just came out today. And it starts off by talking about the firearm industry and the kind of growth that it has experienced recently. Uh, It certainly is a political hot button, but uh, regardless of how you look at it, it is a serious growth industry. And there's been sort of this uh, nirvana in, in the gun world of trying to make a smaller, lighter gun with a full-size gun barrel so that it's easier to carry and, and those kinds of things. So uh, a longer gun barrel has its own advantages, and then a smaller gun certainly has its own advantages. And uh, there is a, a gentleman named Arn Boberg, who is a, an award-winning engineer and scientist, and uh, worked for people like 3M and so forth, who actually, over the course of time, achieved what gun experts had almost universally said couldn't be done. Uh, not only did he put a longer barrel on a smaller gun, but he, he added some other interesting advantages to the gun as well. And he went to the gun industry and began to show it around. And it was universally discarded. People just didn't want to talk about it, uh, said, great idea, but uh, we're really scared of it. Uh, for, for the reasons that it was unlike any of the types of guns that they had experience with. Uh, The mechanism was different. It actually feeds shells into the chamber, according to this article, backwards. And and I don't know how all that works. It looks like a normal gun in the picture, but it just has amazing implications uh, for creativity. Uh, So having tried to take this into the industry without any success, uh, Mr. Boberg did what entrepreneurs do. He started his own company. In 2012, they shipped 750 of these. In 2013, 1,100, and they're on target to go well over 1,400 this month at uh, over $1,000 a copy. And it is uh, a gun that is being very well received and doing very, very well. Uh, But they talk about uh, why people deny creativity. Why do people stand off from ideas that work but that are so different? And uh, a research team led by an individual named Jennifer Mueller from the University of Pennsylvania actually set out to discover why people may say, may say that they value creative ideas, but demonstrate this bias, as is indicated in this particular example with a gun. And they did test to find out what people thought. It's no surprise they had two groups uh, the, they were designed to compare what participants explicitly said they valued and what they really believed. And it's no surprise that both claim, people claimed that they valued it, but remarkably the study did show the group that was given uncertain terms on how they'd be paid in, in this particular illustration did not implicitly value creativity. In, in fact, they exhibited a bias against it. Uh, and, and David Burkus is actually... Uh, quoted in this in this article, uh, creativity is riddled with uncertainty. But even when an idea has clearly demonstrated advantages, people tend to push back against it. Uh, and it, it's interesting that there's a note in here, and I found this to be fascinating. 
even in educational situations where teachers acknowledge that creativity is an important aspect of education, research shows that teachers dislike students who exhibit this kind of curiosity. Wow. Wow, there's some implications out there in the real world and in the classroom. So uh, I'm excited to talk a little more to David Burkus about that and and to get some take from him. But uh, many thanks to him for passing that along on social media and pick that up off of uh, off of LinkedIn. Well, we move right along to uh, our feature segment, which is the X's and O's segment, where we talk about practical tools that can benefit uh, salespeople and other business people on a daily basis. This segment is brought to you by our good friends, our partners at 4D Sales. 4D Sales is this really fantastic tablet-based sales tool that you can get on an iPad or a Windows 8 platform. It helps salespeople present information in a way that is interactive, it's visually appealing, it's compelling in that you can bring all of these pieces together at one time, whether it's price lists, brochures, PDFs, slide decks, web pages, even videos, interleave all of those things and make them immediately available to your salespeople. It gives you the ability to control the content that people have available, making sure that they have the latest and greatest, the up-to-date materials, that there is consistency among salespeople, and it's all available. I tell you, it is a fantastic tool. I have been in the business of selling for well over 30 years, and it is one of those tools that will not only accelerate the sales your sales team's ability to sell, but it will shorten the sales cycle in many ways because you have those tools available right now. You can do it all manually or you can make it easy. Thanks to 4D Sales for sponsoring the X's and O's segment. And in a couple of weeks, Miles, we're going to actually talk about that tool uh, on the 2nd of June when we come back from our memorial break. We'll talk about that particular tool and add it to our list uh, of tools that we have. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Well, we've got a great tool on tap today. It's called Who Works At. And uh, when you first told me about it, I said, wow, that's a tool that I'm going to be interested in right away. So give us that summary, that overview of of what we're talking about. I will, Kelly. I'll tell you what. Who Works At, first of all, great name. Uh, You find it at whoworks.at. And it's, it's perfectly named because it really does just that. Our, our success, I believe, in business, specifically in the sales environment, is really dependent upon who you know, whether to get that job, to get that sale, to get that promotion, etc. And what Who Works At does is very simple. It leverages your presence online, specifically within LinkedIn, and it tells you exactly what the name of the company is. It tells you who works at whatever website or company you're viewing online at the time. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic tool. We're talking X's and O's with Miles Austin, and uh, you want to have Miles on your bookmarks. Uh, You can find him at fillthefunnel.com, and of course, follow him on Twitter at at, uh, Miles Austin. And also, of course, uh, as your host, I would encourage you to follow me as well, at Kelly Riggs, and our website is bizlockerroom.com. And we, we've come across a lot of these tools, but you're exactly right. If you're in sales, especially, Miles, uh, it's all about who you know, who you're connected to. And many times, uh, that's the more difficult part of the sales cycle is just getting introduced to the right people. But using LinkedIn as a platform, who works at really gives you a leg up. 
It really does. And I think, you know, I, I do get from time to time as I travel the country, I do a lot of training on LinkedIn for business people. And one of the common threads still, which is amazing to me, is in almost every audience. I'll still have a small smattering of people that say, I don't get it. Why Do I really need to be on LinkedIn? And do I really want to connect with everyone that I have a potential to connect with? And when they see the power and they see who works at and other apps like this in use and live, real-time benefiting them, you'll never have a question again. Well, I, I, I'm with you. You know, it, it is rare now, but as recent as just two or three years ago, you still had people talking about some of these tools as just being fads and, and those kinds of things. Without, without question, all of the social selling, social media tools are here to stay. And the reality is, if you're not up to speed, which is a great reason to be listening to this segment uh, on this show, if you're not up to speed on these things, I'm afraid you're really going to get left way behind. And if you're a middle-of-the-pack performer, uh, you're sliding closer to the bottom every day if you're not up to speed on the social selling side. Definitely is, is very likely, Kelly. I tell people all the time, look, you if you choose not to use these tools, that's okay. That's your decision. But I will guarantee you that your competition is using them right now for the same accounts, the same opportunities that you are not using them for. And I know from the performance that we see, these tools will accelerate it, it'll deepen it, it'll strengthen your position. And I like, most of all, it'll usually get you there first. And I'm a big believer. I learned from my mom a long time ago, the early bird gets the worm and it still is true today. Well, in an environment where competitive edge is so very slight, you you just simply cannot afford uh, to give away that edge. It's too easy to access. Now, we talk about who works at. It enables me to look at a particular company, and immediately this tool will pull up on my browser the LinkedIn connections I have, first, second, third level connections that I have uh, that happen to be in that company. But we need to backtrack just a bit miles for the audience because this is a tool that works only on Google Chrome and there are people out there who use IE, there are people that use Firefox, there are people that use Safari. Google Chrome though as you were telling me before the show has really become your browser of choice. Tell me why. Well I think two reasons. First of all I'm always one that believes you got to stay on the trend, you got to stay where the fastest is. Um, Google's not going anywhere. Google Chrome all the measurements that I've read for quite some time is the fastest responding. It's the, the quickest to do the things it needs to do. And, the, and when I look at the statistics on my site and that of many of my clients to see what browsers are being used far and away, this is now several years old news, Google Chrome is the predominant browser being used specifically in a business environment, but even with home users. So that's one of them. The other one is, um, again, it's very much like our discussion about iPad. When you have a leading platform, and it is the number one browser at this point, when you have that number one role and you're in that leadership position, people that are developing new applications and new uses, where are they going to spend their time developing? Are they going to do it on a, a, a what most people consider to be a browser whose better days have come in something like uh, Internet Explorer? Or are you going to push your energies and your research and your development and your money behind a product that can be installed in the hottest, fastest, most popular browser, and that's Google Chrome. 
the ability for Google Chrome to add all these other little functions, they call them apps um, and tools, to add them right into the browser window, like who works at, are phenomenally helpful. And it's all about getting your work done faster and smarter. Well, the interesting thing about this is absolutely free to use, uh, as is Google Chrome. So you can download Google Chrome. doesn't take very long at all. And then you can have Who Works At downloaded. It's an app that shows up on your toolbar. And so whatever website you may be in, you click on the icon and it tells you who in your network is working there. You, you talk about a shortcut. Normally, even with the tools that we have available today, uh, we would do a, a lot of searching and, and those kinds of things. This really puts it at your fingertips, Miles. And just for, for those things alone, that it is free and it is that easy to use and give you a leg up, I, I suspect that it needs to be must-have material for salespeople. It, I just, I'll tell you, it's in my browser. It's one of the three key tools that we talk about in our LinkedIn training for salespeople. It needs to be in that browser because it literally saves you a lot of time and it will expose connections that can be very beneficial to you in trying to move forward and establish a business relationship with that prospect or that customer. Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, we need to take a time out, our final time out of the show, and we're going to come back after the break and we'll do some review on some of the other tools that we have talked about in the history of the show. This is now our seventh show. Great to have you on board. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Next week, programming note, we will not have a live show. We'll be replaying one of our past shows. June the 2nd, mark your calendar, 3 o'clock Central Daylight Time, 1 o'clock on the West Coast, 4 o'clock on the East Coast. You want to make sure you join us on June the 2nd. Tom Ziegler will join us. And in the X's No segment, Mike, or Miles, rather, I, 
I don't know why I tend to call you Mike. I guess it's because we talked to Mike Kunkel. But anyway, Miles Austin will join us, and we'll talk about 4D sales. They are the sponsor of this segment. They make it possible. But, man, am I excited about that, too. I want to tell you more about that as we go along. Miles, we have looked at some great tools. Uh, here's the list that uh, what we have been over in the last several weeks. Evernote, Refresh, Time Trade, Rival IQ, and Skype. Of course, we use Skype. I'm now an Evernote user, and I just put Time Trade up on my website, my LinkedIn uh, application as well. So these tools are really having an impact on me, if no, if nobody else. So uh, it, it's been good stuff. Out, out of all these, where where are you getting the most response from people uh, from from the tools that we've talked about? Well, I think it depends on the from a personal standpoint. Time Trade, you and I have talked about it. Time Trade generates more business. Uh, appointments for me than anything else I've done from people that it's unsolicited as people that I don't know yet. Um, far and away, the number one solution for me. Wow. I, I, I would have to agree with that. I, I mean, I'm just all over it. And it's so, I got to tell you, I went through the process. It's so easy. If you're someone who needs to make appointments and you don't like that back and forth aspect of what works for you, what works for you, what works for you, ad nauseum, this is an easy way to do it. I've also got on the Evernote bandwagon and, and have taken some time to figure that out. And I'm sure I'm barely scratching the surface. But I tell you what, I like the simplicity of being able to pull all of my materials together in one platform and have it accessible everywhere. And I know you're a big user as well. I am, and I think Kelly, you're you're onto something there. It, it does take some time because you are, you have the opportunity if you choose to implement it fully to change and dramatically speed up and improve your workflow, and that takes some time. That's not something you can do lightly. And it, it as you get more and more experienced in it, you're going to think, "Wow, I could be doing that as well." We talked at length about refresh and rival IQ. Uh, th- these are interesting tools. Give, give me the 30-second recap on each of those tools and where you see those fitting into someone's toolbox. Well, boy, I'll tell you. I, I mean, the reality is um, Rival IQ is really designed for a marketing exec or a CEO um, that gives you the ability to understand what's happening in your uh, marketing, primarily your social media endeavors, versus your competition or your peers. Uh, and by, by peers, I mean your peer companies. Yes. It gives you an ability to benchmark. And mm-hmm. for me, that's always been a challenge. In athletics, in business, uh, I love to keep score, friendly or otherwise. I need to keep score in order to keep me focused, keep me relevant, and keep me on task. And, and um, Rival IQ is just an easy, great way um, to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, refresh is one of those that, again, it's, it, once you implement it, you kind of forget about it. It just gives you the ability to enter an appointment, connect it to your calendar, and it does what we have done manually in the past if we're on our game. It does for you automatically. It gives you the ability to walk into an appointment Take a minute or two before you get to that appointment, look at your phone, and get a refresh on all of their social things, what's their recent posts, what's going on in their company, if they had new hires, any press releases, uh, your last communications and meetings with that individual. It just is a great way to just kind of snug it up and make it nice and tight and focused at just the right time. Yeah, it's amazing how so many of these tools now 
Um, miles have to do with business intelligence. You know, I can see taking refresh and who works at and using those at a more granular level to build relationships and find connections. You look at Rival IQ, you elevate it up the ladder corporately into more of a strategic position to have an idea of what other people are doing and to make sure you're not missing something significant. Always great to have you on board, my friend. It is, he is Miles Austin. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Miles Austin. We always talk X's and O's on the show, Miles. Great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Thank you much. I appreciate it. All right, and as I mentioned in the middle part of the show, giving away five copies of my book, uh, which is Quit Whining and Start Selling. So if you're a salesperson, you've enjoyed the show today, all you have to do to get a copy, everything's on me, I'm going to ship it to you, not going to cost you a dime, is to contact me, kelly at bizlockerroom.com, send me a message, and I'm going to send you a copy of that book. Uh, Always great to have you on board. I hope you're talking about the show to others. That is going to do it for our show today. And many thanks to Mike Kunkel for joining us as we talked about customer focus and and how we use that to transform sales forces. Can't wait to have him back on board again at some point in time. It'll be good stuff. Also, thanks to Miles and our sponsors, 4D Sales, for making the X's and O's segment available and making it a possibility as we talk about the tools that you need to be successful in the world of business. Special thanks to Michael Sergit, my engineer, Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. Make sure you visit us at bizlockerroom.com. We'll be back in two weeks live, and we will talk to Tom Ziegler. Put it on your calendar. Make sure you don't miss it. Thanks for joining us. My name is Kelly Riggs. Follow me at Kelly Riggs on Twitter. We'll see you next time in the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.